Hello and welcome to the Conscious Consulting Podcast, where we will introduce you to the Conscious Consulting philosophy. Together with our senior advisors from all around the world, we blend the deep knowing of wisdom traditions, technology, modern science and business, and show you how to transform this wisdom into impact in your daily life as a consultant, leader or entrepreneur. Welcome to the CCG community. We believe that business can and will be a key driver for positive change in our society and environment. And there is an emerging movement of conscious entrepreneurs and business leaders who are committed to create what we call regenerative businesses. So we are excited to have one of these new era organizations here on the podcast with us. Julia Julen is in conversation with Ben Smits and Manuela Achitz, an Australian-Austrian couple who has left the corporate world to create a business that is designed from scratch around the needs of people, planet and society. Together they founded Effect Footwear, a company that turns rubbish into sneakers. And in this conversation, Manuela and Ben talk about how they came up with the idea to make shoes out of rubbish why the world needs more generative businesses and how to build up a company that can do good and well at the same time. They also talk about leadership in a purpose-driven, global and decentralized organization. How does it work? What is important? And what is the role of the founders? So sit back, relax and enjoy an inspiring new episode of the Conscious Consulting Podcast. So welcome, Manuela. Welcome, Ben, to the Conscious Consulting Podcast. I'm super happy and excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you Thank for having you. me. So, um, Manuela and Ben, first of all, I would like to congratulate because today your Kickstarter campaign is coming to an end and you achieved more than you thought. And I think it's really great, a great achievement. And I also understand why, but let's just maybe go a little bit um, deeper into what you're up to so that the audience understands what all this campaign is about. Sure. Um, so I'll start uh, right away to ask you when you start, when you found Effect Footwear, um, what was the founding idea and what are you offering? Okay. So the idea um, was born after visiting a, um, a fair, a fashion fair in, in Czech Republic and um, just noticing that there was a very lack of sustainable options um, at the time. Um, obviously, since then, there's been a, a little bit more. Um, people are very concerned about sustainability and, of course, um, footwear brands are responding to this. But um, at the time, um, I had a friend who uh, was from Portugal. His family um, have been making shoes, you know, for 20, 30 years And um, together at this fair, we decided, look, uh, let's see if we can make something sustainable. Um, I have a background in, in civil engineering and in my last years of studies, I had a really big interest and a big focus on the sustainable aspect in the, in the building um, sector. Um, but obviously, you know, once you start thinking of these things, you can easily translate that thinking into um, other ideas. So um, on top of that, I've also... Um, had a few little startup t-shirt brands that have gone okay. Um, but together with my interest in, in fashion and sustainability, um, I was asked to, to join Lewis and help uh, create a sustainable shoe. And um, at the time um, of our research, we found that the most sustainable shoe was one that was still made of leather uh, and they were planting, you know, two or three trees for every, every pair that you buy and people were going crazy for this. This was the most quote, unquote, sustainable shoe on the market. And um, we basically looked at each other, looked at how much these guys had raised also via um, Kickstarter. And we're like, no, we can actually, you know, really blow this thing out of the water. We can really set the standard for sustainable production um, and using, you know, really sustainable recycled, upcycled materials. Um, so fast forward, uh, you know, a year and a half, two years. Um, unfortunately, Lewis is no longer with us. Um, however, I do have an amazing team now of eight other people working on this project with me. And uh, what we've been able to achieve is a sneaker that's made out of 90 to 95% recycled material. So we're using elements of um, recycled plastic and, and ocean plastic. Um, we're using recycled textiles and uh, we're using a lot of uh, recycled rubber as well. And all these components uh, are sourced 
pretty locally, um, I would say. So um, our materials are coming from Italy, Spain, and uh, and mainly Portugal, with the um, production occurring in Portugal as well. And um, yeah, today we, we we achieved our funding goal, um, exceeded it by about thirty percent, and um, it just goes to show that people are interested in sustainable processes, sustainable products. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been you know an amazing month and a half, and and I'm very you know excited for what's to come, and I'm very happy with the team and what we've achieved so far. So congratulations, yeah, Manuela. Um, what is your take on that? Uh, what's what's for you the reason to be part of this? Um, actually, it was. Ben was super excited. He came home from this fair and he said, we can do better. And it's so easy. And that showed me that from nothing, from the scratch, just with an idea, you can really build a, a, a sustainable, um, maybe hopefully successful business. And um, I love um, I love coaching people. I love helping them with team building, with organizational development And um, so that's why I stepped in and I loved the idea to use 21st Alchemy. That's the slogan. So we turn trash into sneakers. And um, that's a very good approach and a very good idea to use the already existing resources that we have on our planet and to create something new out of it, create a value. And we don't have to make everything from the scratch. We don't have to produce all the materials in a new way. And, and that's what I love about this idea. Mm. I also love your idea. And I think it's, it's a true game changer. Um, ben, you said it before. And I, I think it's really important to talk about this. There's a huge paradigm shift between organizations or companies trying to make up for the damage they do. Like we do something and in order to make up for it, we're planting three trees, things like this. We've seen it. It's, it's great. Um, It has an aspect of greenwashing sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. Some do it more sustainable. Some do it really honestly. Honestly, Some do it just for greenwashing to make up for it and mitigate the, the damage on the other side. And it's like selling a sustainable business and it's already uh, a big success because people feel better. But what you are doing basically is uh, what I would say is more than sustainable. It's even a regenerative business. So what you claim on your website is that you help um, cleaning up the ocean and you offer maybe even more than a shoe to people. So what is it what you're offering to them in addition to a great shoe where you know it's made sustainably? What's, what's maybe another level of, of purpose? What are you speaking to? Which desire are you speaking to? Uh, sure. your customers and, and co-workers I, I feel too mm -hmm. um, so yes uh, beyond beyond the sneaker we're selling you know a good feeling um, being an Australian and, and having a very close affinity to the ocean and, and being outdoors um, you know studying outdoor education we always um, learned this mantra um, you know take only photos leave only footprints um, you know, we want to try and, and, and I try and live my life as much as I can by the slogan of leaving the place better than I, than I found it. For example, you know, I borrow my friend's car. I want it to be absolutely pristine and perfect when I give it back. I don't want not even a hair or a crumb out of place. Um, so that's the way I try and live my life. That's how I want to try and live the planet. And that's what um, we want to try and achieve through this um, sneaker. So another um, aspect to this sneaker is we, uh, you know, encouraging our consumers to send them back at the end of the life. So, You know, it's one thing to make a sneaker out of recycled material and it's all nice that we're, you know, diverting trash from landfill and we're helping clean the ocean. But if it's just going to end up in the in the garbage or end up in an incineration again, um, it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. So, um, you know, it's a big exercise in, um, you know, sustainable production. It's also an exercise in, you know, changing consumer mindsets, um, you know, as well as encouraging future business leaders and future consumers that we can, um, you know, still have really high quality products, but it doesn't have to have that impact on the planet. Um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, planting the trees and that's really good because we're storing carbon. Um, but we can also, I believe we can also do that in everyday products as well. So using a recycled material, all the energy and water, everything has gone into creating this material. Why let it go to waste? Let's recover that. Let's, of course, we need to treat that. And that takes processing and energy. 
um, but not as much as, as, as coming from a virgin material. And we can still have our, you know, everyday needs catered for just with a less intense impact or hopefully, a, you know, a positive impact um, on the planet. Yes. So what I read is that you um, also using a production plant that uses renewable energy. Mm-hmm. So there are so many aspects to be looked into if you want to be a regenerative business. And um, yes, this instead of making up for the damage, doing something that is in itself positive and regenerative, I think this is really the huge game changer. Uh, and I guess this is the reason why your Kickstarter campaign is so successful because people feel we have to go a little bit further than mm-hmm. just making up for the mess and, and having someone to clean up or or do a little bit good as well, but to go into the DNA of the business model. And what you said before, I think it's another very important aspect, Manuela. You said we make a sustainable and hopefully successful business. And I think that's another very important thing is that we have this propaganda or we brought up to believe you can have either like a great purpose and do something good or profit. It even sums up to organization called non-profit organizations. Um, but what you are showing, and I'm very, I'm pretty convinced that you will make it, is that you can show you can have profit and purpose. And that's another game changer, that you don't have to do the compromises, that you can make money and you should, I think. Why should only people make a lot of money who are destroying something or destroy more than they produce? Maybe you, um, so this is something that might attract and be a very, very important role model because there's so many business leaders I talk to. They say, you know, well, that's all very nice and great, but in the end of the day, we have to earn money. So full stop. So that's it. End of story. And then we say, so what if not? What if you can have it all? You can have the profit and the purpose and a positive impact in society and give unemployed people jobs back and restore environment. So I think this is this is the business of the future. And that's why I'm so so interested in in how you're doing. Because it's not easy. What 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 were maybe the most difficult difficulties that you were facing in coming up with this business model, in finding the right way how to produce it? Was there any, I'm sure. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, to do something like this, you can't do it with the click of a finger. And I totally understand, you know, a lot of people have had this upbringing that we have to make profit and we have to do it at any expense possible, you know, especially if you're a publicly traded company, your um, role as a CEO, you know, your your job is on the line. If you don't improve and increase that shareholder value, then you're out of there. So I understand that there's a, a need and a drive for profit, but what we um, wanted to do with our hypothesis is prove that you can actually do good, you can clean the planet and 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 profit from it. And and like you said, you know, there's no reason why you can't make money and do something good. Um, I think it's just a, it's an old mentality, but you know, we're, we're starting to see a shift. Um, of course, um, being around people like like Marnie and you know the Ashoka Network, and just looking at all these positive impact businesses. Um, you know, are operating and, and they're very successful and and they're they're turning a profit. So it is totally possible to do that. Um, but yes, like uh, like you said, with uh, with sustainability, you know, I also think that um, we're own or most companies are just doing the absolute bare minimum to sustain what they are doing. Um, and there is going to be a big shift, like you said, from sustainability to to regeneration. I think. Um, you know, just focusing on one of those three aspects of, of sustainability. So environmental sustainability, cool, we're, you know, planting our trees, we're doing our bit for the planet. But, um, you know, we also need to focus on the economic. Of course, that's important. If we don't have a sustainable business, we, you know, have no money, we can't make an impact. But I think what is really lacking is that social sustainability. And that includes, you know, the waste that's being dumped in, you know, wherever or is going to the incineration or it comes back to, um, you know, providing people with wholesome, you know, good quality jobs that are, you know, actually purpose-driven rather than just sitting in front of a computer, um, you know, nine to five and, and grinding out. So I think there needs to, um, 
be a big address for balancing these three needs, not just looking at the economic, not just looking at the environmental, but yeah, there, there needs to be more put into the, the social aspect of this as well. Um, absolutely. And um, what I experienced also in uh, my uh, career, I've worked in nonprofit organizations, always in the environmental um, branch, and it is so badly paid uh, lots of women in part-time jobs you know they're working there forgive me but off and uh it's and this needs to change this really needs to change because non-profits or and social businesses are really the pillar of society they are the society they are the ones who show where problems lie and they solve them as well sure it needs very much the whole The whole system, of course, it needs um, political changes. It needs industry leaders and uh, civil society and, and entrepreneurs who really tackle these issues. But I see also a big problem in uh, patriarchal um, structures that, um, yeah, foster and and um, yeah, foster um, structures where women can be exploited and. Um, pay uh, work for really bad salary and um, we definitely take a step on that and our team is very um, you know everybody can bring in his or her ideas and we try to be a self-organized organization we are not perfect but we're heading there because that's also what uh, we want to give to people that's also something wanna, what we want to achieve it's to be a workplace where people love to work where they can feel fulfill their dreams and have a purpose where they can be a whole person. That's what we also want to be and, and, and offer. Yes. So, so many aspects in what you're saying and so many important aspects. But um, when I listen to you, it comes to my mind that we have somehow this very unfair distribution of money and like a two-class business society the profit businesses and then the non-profit or social profit businesses and what you're doing is like changing this paradigm because also from my impression the world is really changing and shifting when like profit and normal like consumer-based businesses start to be regenerative and not say okay this is these are the profit organizations who are um, without a lot of purpose and um, to making the big money and then they're the good guys but they are prepared to work for less money because they have purpose instead of uh, profit on instead of money that's exactly what you're saying you say well you do something good that's why you should prepare to earn less why I mean really this is one of the big problems that this is totally underfunded all these businesses or people are not willing to work there anymore or they have to do a lot of personal sacrifice and that's also not not a good situation and I think what you're doing in, in integrating those different purposes and these different goals and paradigms and uh, stopping to say we have to do either or as you say you have to either earn a lot of money and do some some I would say destructive be part of a destructive business Or a great thing, but you don't have to earn a lot. Also as an entrepreneur. So this shows us that also for you are targeting in different directions. So one is the consumer and the other one is also people working for you and working with you. And I can imagine that people are super excited to be part of something new, of a new paradigm. And they have a great place to work. And they should be earning proper money. I mean, it's not enough. Enough money is anyway enough, but a lot of people don't even earn enough. Not even in a nonprofit organization, also in the profit organizations. There's a lot of exploitation on the lower end of the workforce. And this leads to this incredible um, inequality that we are having. Like in, in Germany, I just read that the productivity has risen so much. And the um, people get the same money. So it has not really changed. It it's not translating. 
So you say um, on your website, what you're doing is also a social experiment. And that's also exciting. Well, you want to say a little bit more about what kind of social experiment it is, what you're aiming here? Um, yes, and, and it just retouches really on, on what you just said. You know, we don't want to be, you know, it, it, we don't want to be either a profit or a purpose-driven um, uh, business. But I think if you are profitable and you have purpose, you can change your mindset and hopefully the mindset of your consumer to believe that you are a value-oriented business. Um, we are providing value for, um, you know, the planet in terms of cleaning it up. And we're also, um, you know, generating a profit, which, you know, translate to us um, increasing our impact. Um, but back onto the, the, the consumers um, and the, the social experiment that we're running. Um, it, it, again, we, we, we have this hypothesis that you can create a circular business. You can create a positive impact business um, with very little funding without, You know, I see all these big businesses that say, yes, we can be circular, but it's going to cost billions of dollars. And who knows where that comes from, if that's funded by taxpayers or if that's coming from the government or, or money printing. Um, I think you just need to start with um, a good idea. You need to have a good business model behind it and just rethink. Um, you know, we didn't have a shoemaker for the last, you know, one and a half years on our team, which kind of gave us a bit of an advantage. We have people who are more focused in sustainability or design or social media or communications. So rather than coming at it from a traditional point of view when it comes to designing our shoe, we had all these external factors and brought them together. And then with what we had, we worked out, all right, well, we don't have to make a shoe the same way that everyone else is making a shoe. Let's see, um, you know, where the shoe ends up and then work backwards from there. So how can we create something that we can capture at the end of the life and reuse or recycle um, rather than sending it to the landfill? And how do we, you know, work with our consumers? How do we convince consumers that it is better for you in the long run to purchase our shoe and, um, you know, re return it at the end of the life? You know, that gives a little bit of reassurance that we're looking after the planet. We're being responsible for, you know, the products that we're bringing into the ecosystem. And, um, you know, we're not just chasing the profit. We're also chasing that purpose and hopefully um, inspiring some people along the way. I think that's where we really have... Um, an impact in terms of, you know, removing rubbish from the ocean. If it becomes a desired material tomorrow, everyone's going to run out there because they see a dollar value attached to it. So that's what we're trying to achieve with this is really, you know, get consumers and, and, and you know, business leaders, um, designers to rethink value. You know, value can be found anywhere and, and value starts with a change in mindset. And that's, and that's yeah, basically it in a nutshell. So, As a Kickstarter business, invested business, it's also an interesting model because the prospective customers are also your investors. So there's an overlap, right? So by the way, what I see, you could buy like one pair of shoes or two or 10, whatever. And um, you're funding a business that is in the making and then you get the shoes, of course, but you get so much more. And... I think that's also interesting what you said before is that you like give more than you take in the beginning. You will in the end get more than you give. And, and this is uh, also for me, a alchemist process that you have a stone and then the, the, you make gold out of it because you combine Like existing, you take existing parts here and then you combine them totally new, coming from a different mindset. And maybe let's talk a little bit about that mindset and these beliefs. We, we talked about them already and you, you mentioned it before, but I think I cannot stress it enough. So that, that there's in most businesses, there's this underlying belief. So there's not enough for everyone. So I should take as much as I can. And um, then there's also this mindset of disconnection. We don't see that we are connected to everything so that the waste that we are producing will come back to us. It's, it's all a boomerang. We, we just can't get rid of it. it. It's just there. And there's also this sense of greed that we have in our, I would say, maybe Western society. So, the, so disconnection, scarcity, greed. I want to have more. And 
I was still teaching my, in my business school with the mini-max principle. It was saying, try with the minimum input, try to get as much output as possible. And by this way of thinking, you would try to get as much as like the, um, like the negative impacts that you're creating to get it out to society, to pay as little taxes as possible, to give your employees as little as possible, to get the maximum out for yourselves. And, and this is somehow coming to an end because this is where we're ending now. This is the result of a world that is exploited, where people are disconnected from each other, from themselves, from nature, from other people. So to come up with such a model, you have to be a certain kind of person in the first place with a certain set of values um, that drives you. So what are your personal values that drive you? Um, ben, you said something before, like, I want to leave everything better than, than I found it. And this also talks to me. I try to do the, the same thing. You know, if, if, if I leave the Airbnb to have it like nicer than it was before, more or less. No, and uh, so so things like this. So what is what are your personal values that drive you, and what do you want to achieve with them? Um, tricky question. Um, so as you said, I'm trying to live as as positively and low impact as possible. Um, but as you said, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's so much happening in this world, and we're bombarded with negativity, and you know. Maybe we can make a difference. Hopefully we can inspire people. Um, but I think it's just about having fun. I value, you know, having a good time, especially, um, you know, thinking or being a little bit unconventional in the way that you think. Um, I've always myself been a little bit against the grain and I always um, don't, I'm not looking for points of conflict, but I'm, I'm looking to challenge people's point of view um, and not to, to irritate, but just to understand both sides of the coin and see, um, you know, how we can either work together to make something better. Um, so, yeah, I, I like, um, you know, kind of going against the grain. I, I do value people who, who challenge um, myself. I like people who challenge themselves. Um, you know, hard work always pays off. Like, you know, this has been a project I've been involved in for two years and just today, you know, we've finally made those sales and we've confirmed those sales um you know that's been two years in the making so um you know persistence is a very important value as well um, and like you said you know just doing the best you can and hopefully you know we can change this mindset and, and leave the place better for one another leave you know our interactions that we have better um between one another and um yeah manuela what what drives you what are your core values that drive you we are a bit similar i always um challenge the status quo it started in my family it started in school in high school the catholic private school uh it was way too tight for me and of course i couldn't articulate my disagreement really well so i had to rebel against it um now i do it as well but in uh, forms where um i like let's say it's more diplomatic or um, more, um, yeah, probably more diplomatic. Um, so it's, for me, it's about finding um, a way to change things, change structures. So I'm really good um, also at reading people and um, where my value plays in is that I just, love to bring out the best in people, you know, that drives me. Um, I always try to be my best. I work so much on myself. It's uh, really a lot, you know, meditating. And I, uh, I do a lot of self-reflection. I take criticism. I really try to listen to people, what they have to say to me. And I remember I was um, a leader of the NPO Women's Network and my team was not happy with my leadership skills, although I was trying to develop a self-organizing organization. And I was, I thought, oh, I'm so, I'm such a good leader and I'm giving the space. And I found out I'm not, I was a micromanager in one situation, you know, me, the, I want to change the world. So it's really, and that is my value, really looking also into yourself, into your 
mistakes in a way and, and try to become a better person and, and listen to other people. And I think that's why Ben and me are having such a great relationship because uh, we have the same values, which is uh, respect as well, uh, appreciation, and we listen and we, we try to improve things. And that's that plays into our business as well. And that's why we have such a successful team. They are super motivated. Everyone has his or her own role and they bring in their ideas. And, and I just wish that we give them a space where they can grow, where they can learn, you know, like our social media manager, for example, she has never done this before, what she's doing now. We give her lots of responsibility and she loves that she grows. And, uh, and so is it uh, with, with our graphic designer colleague and uh, with our colleague who's responsible for the social corporate responsibility. And yeah, I think it's, it's growth. It's, it's, respect and um, listening yes yeah and 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 of course to somehow to translate I think what we are doing somehow carries our energy outside so so it translates through the product through the messages that you're giving through the campaign through your website so you are always you have skin in the game and and this is something people start to get more and more attracted to. And it, it could be that people like you are really disruptors for not only for the business, um, which was before, like what's the business model, but also the whole way how you create this holistic, I would say with my words, a holistic and regenerative organization that is looking into all aspects like the, as I say, the social, the environmental, also the, the business aspects of it and combine it and see where's the sweet spot where those points come together. And it's also very challenging. Maybe we talk a little bit about leadership. Uh, Manuela, you mentioned it. Uh, I, I really hear you have quite the same experience that you had. I also thought I was so open and supportive and um, did a lot like self-organized networks. And uh, uh, for some reason, some of them became really toxic uh, in their... Um, yeah, in the culture somehow there was some toxic energy there. And sometimes I thought maybe there was a, even a lack of leadership. So I was not maybe micromanaging too much, but there, there is a certain leadership needed. So maybe we talk a little bit about your structure because it's great to give people a lot of space, but it's also super challenging to be leading an organization where you have a lot of ideas how it should be, like bringing out the best in people, and then you find out you're criticized for that. You think you, you, you do all of it and you're so supportive. And, and then it, it gets sometimes really difficult. And I guess you are also a little bit decentrally organized. And once you grow, it will be even more difficult to stay in this very like startup mode, very open. Um, so how are you seeing? Uh, leadership in such an organization so what are the key challenges you're facing and that you're an, an I think it's uh, for example I can just speak from the roles we have now that's I think the easiest for example Ben is the CEO and founder I think that um, his his challenge is to really develop the business um, and look after the team, be a coach, so to speak, um, try to be there for them. And um, I can come in and be that coach, for example. And um, and I think that's a big challenge to um, also to take the space. I think that's a big, um, um, a big challenge because you need meetings you need to talk about these you need to talk about the roles the expectations you know like everybody of us is has grown up in hierarchical structures so everybody waits for Ben to decide on something so it's it's about to bring the people into this intrinsic motivation give them the create trust so that they can open up and really create something from them. And it's a, a longer process. It doesn't happen in two or three weeks. It's it's a core, it's a, a thing that takes months. 
And people need to be wanting that. That's a challenge. So, for example, when I look at the organizations that I worked for in the last uh, 20, uh, last 11 years, um, there was not so much the, the willingness to change and to take responsibility. They actually love to be the victims. Ah, my boss, ah, he is such a uh, bad guide and he's such a bad CEO. That's a very comfortable situation. It's like bitching about your boss is the easiest thing you can do, but trying to change the situation, this is a different way. And that's what I expect or expect. That's what I wish for the future, that people speak up and create their own space. And if they are not able to create that space within their organization, that they have the courage to leave. And um, yeah, that's my personal topic. And I see it everywhere else really like i see it so much and that's why the, the the our team loves to work for us because they they can how shall i say and fighten what's the english word they can flourish they try to yeah unfold and flourish yeah mm -hmm. and uh, i think that's what what the role of me and ben is to create a safe space where they can yeah flourish Ben how are you creating that safe space yes um, so I've, I've just written some notes down as um, as you both were talking so I guess my role as a leader in this um, organization is you know I need to really trust the people that I ask to do the job for me so um, you know I think people who micromanage they really lack the trust of their colleagues and um, don't ex Either they have too high expectations or they have too low expectations of the people. But, um, you know, these micromanagers don't really trust um, their colleagues. So that's one thing I've, I've really had to learn is just to trust the skill sets of these people who I've asked to come on board. And I, and I asked them to come here for a reason. I didn't ask them to be to be pestered by me. So trust, um, respecting, you know, each, each, um, each other's work and respecting one another but um, also cultivating this culture of goodness, just as you guys said there, like we really need to um, create space. You know, if you want a flower to grow, you can't be picking at it and touching it. You just have to leave it, let it, let it do its thing. And um, yeah, it, it kind of, you know, this is where a little bit of my, let's say um, Aussie attitude comes in. It's like, we have this, uh, you know, general attitude at home. It's like, yeah, whatever, it'll be right. And end of the day, it usually is. So if you don't poke around and, um, you know, stick your fingers where they shouldn't be, it's all going to be good in the end. So that's one thing I've had to do is learn to let go. Like you said, you know, this is um, my baby and I've been working on this for two years. So it's kind of hard for me to I know, start to relinquish a little bit of this control, but ultimately that's going to you know, reduce my stress. It's going to allow me to think of other things and, and put that energy elsewhere while also at the same time allowing people to go off and do their job, um, you know, creating value and, and um, you know, doing their roles. But I would like to add one thing. It's a, also important to create this framework and to talk about these expectations not just letting them do their thing and not giving them guidance or colleagues you know they we we need to speak about that you know what where are we heading what do we want to achieve so it's really important to talk about these things and not just ah uh, here uh do our social media channel for the next year good luck with that so to speak, that would not work. It's a lot about talking. And yeah, of course, it needs, it needs to be aligned where, with What they need as well and, mm. and, and where are we heading? What is our purpose? Why? And, and what do we want to achieve? Sure, of course. And it needs to be aligned with, um, with a, common, a common vision and everyone needs to be on board. Sure. And how, how did you do that? Because, I mean, we're now like almost two years into the pandemic and that's pretty much the time that you started your business and you're also not in one place. So you have people from Australia, uh, people from Portugal, from Austria, and then you have these challenges with different time, different locations, different cultures coming together. And how often do you meet? Is this dislocated? Is this very decentral? Do you have an office? So how, how is like the practical organization of this um of this organization. And I'm asking this because I think this is also going to be the futures of organization, maybe not having one central office, everybody's coming in, but like a group of people doing something together, sitting in different parts of the world. 
which has its own challenges. So how do you achieve that? Yeah, of course. The um, the time zone is um, is is quite a challenge. Um, thankfully, the majority of our um, you know team is located in Europe, so between Austria, um, Portugal, and, and Germany, you know, an hour is you know that's not too difficult to you know get in contact with one another. But you know, in terms of contacting people in Australia, um, we're currently eight hours behind. You know, in the summertime or in, in the winter time for us, in the summertime for Australia, that becomes ten hours. Um, so yeah, it's it's about having good communications. Um, you know, trying to um, include everyone where it's where and when it's practical and possible. But also, you know, once you know I'm delivering tasks or asking people to complete a task, it's like all right, just respecting that they can you know fulfill this without me having to come in at two o'clock in the morning and say hey, how's it going? It's like you know I've got to give them the space and, and feedback. But um, I think you know it, it's going to get very interesting. You know, the future is is kind of looking a little bit. I'm a little bit pessimist as to what's going to happen, but um, in terms of staying, you know, in, in contact, we're, you know, going to be developing these online technologies. There's going to be a lot of, um, you know, I think AR and, and visual VR um, technologies that we can totally take advantage of. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, holographic projections coming pretty soon so we don't all have to be in the same country. But um, in terms of also the leadership, um, you know, I think it's probably... You know, I hope I can grow the business to a point in time where I have to have someone who is responsible for the people in Australia. Um, you know, I don't want to be chasing up all these people. I'd much rather just have one contact um, who can, you know, tell me how things are going there. Um, and we meet up every, you know, once a month to find out how things are going. But, um, yeah, uh, also on that note, I think it's going to be quite challenging because, you know, people still like that personal interaction. Like it's all very nice and convenient. We can all work from home. But we're all looking at each other from behind the screen, and you know, as 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 you can tell, it, it's challenging. You know, there's people talking over one another. You can't really convey your emotions. Um, there's just something about being in the presence of people that you can't get through, you know, a web screen and things like this. So um, until we can maybe teleport back and forth, I'm not really sure how how we sort of overcome that. Um, but yeah, no, there's some challenges that we definitely need to to, to think of and. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, thanks to this technology, we're able to at all do something like this during a, a pandemic. So that's 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 the great news about it. So let's see also how technology is going to help bring about all these new regenerative businesses to to not, not only on the I would say material side, on the production side, on the collaboration side, there's a lot of going on right now. But I would say it always needs the combination of the right heart and intuition and, and mind and intention and values to how to use this technology. So people who say, well, technology is going to save us and we don't really need to change our lifestyles because technology is going to solve it. I, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's our, you know, Our government is kind of promoting that and, and Silicon Valley pretty much. But honestly, I believe that it's people like you in combination with uh, technology and new technologies who are really going to change and shift the paradigm. And you have to be the pain in the ass for those business leaders out there. Um, and there will be a time, I'm convinced, where consumers say, I'm not going to buy those Nikes anymore. I'm not going to work for these companies anymore um, I will because now there are alternatives when I was like finishing my studies like in 2000 there wasn't really not pretty much around there the, the only thing you could do is to go to a non-profit organization um, and it, this is what I really truly find uh, exciting and that I also want to promote as conscious consulting group is to help to get to those mindset uh, and and see The world differently and then you come up with different ideas and we really need to this we don't have so much time anymore and business is a huge driver this is where where's the money going so i'm so glad like these fifteen thousand euros that you raised are going to you and not to someone else so that's already um a big achievement i mean it it might be small for other for, for some people but i think it's huge because it shows that people trust you 
you talked about trust and you want to be part of a movement. And I think this is what we can do together is invite people to become part of a movement, to see business as force of good and to be part of a regenerative world, to be part of the circular economy and to have a positive footprint and you know, not be feel guilt and shame when you buy something, but feel like proud and happiness and joy with your new tennis shoe. And you don't tell them, oh, you're not allowed to have a new tennis shoe anymore. Yes, you are. And even if you don't use it anymore, it will be a new tennis shoe and it will be a new tennis shoe afterwards or maybe a jacket or whatever. So congratulations for this. So I'm slowly coming to the end as a suit, but I have one question for you. What is the question you wished I had asked you and that I didn't ask you? Um, yeah, I guess... Uh... I think another buzzword or hopefully more than just a buzzword at the moment is um, decentralization. Um, and I think I would have liked you to ask about how we sort of decentralize our positive impact, because this is something that we're working on as well. Um, of course, yes, we're making shoes, you know, we're going to be tracking metrics, like how many pairs do we sell? How much money do we make? Um, but for us, what we really want to start to track is, you know, how much, CO2 can we offset? How many, you know, plastic bottles can we take from the ocean? How much waste can we divert from landfill? How much value can we derive from waste materials? So, um, yeah, how do we, you know, decentralize positive impacts and, and incorporate people into, um, into doing that with us? And I think we can do it, like, if we think like a plant, uh, a plant is an organism that is built modular so there's the roots, there's the stem, there's the crown. And it's like the roots is so interesting. They Every root spreads into his or her own direction, so to speak, when we speak in people terms. And uh, they go on their own way, but they're always connected with each other. So they know where to grow. They know where there's a stone. They know where there's water. And um, I would like to um decentralize our impact in that way um, by thinking like a plant and also using others to be more successful, which means um, we are maybe good at creating value from waste materials. Someone else is good at, I don't know, selling them, you know? So we we create, we co-create something with big business because that's also... Uh, where we can go uh, cre creating new things with um, big business and with that creating also a new place where young people want to work, where they see a future and where they can like, yeah, dig in and, and have fun working and be proud of what they're doing. And, and, and that's, and that's um, also part of our impact. And as, as you say, I want to use this network effect. You can increase your impact by centralizing it and also thinking in business ecosystems, like this, uh, this, this systems thinking and ecosystem thinking, like, like uh, working together on different parts and not being in a central control. As you say, that's, that's the whole strength about the plants that they don't have like one center and they are so vulnerable because this one center, if it gets hit our heart and then we're gone, we're dead basically, and we cannot regenerate it. So that's a very smart way to think about it. And there are so many new models coming up, like this stewardship where like employees are also somehow owners. And uh, I don't know exactly how it works, but so many different new also organizational models and, 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 uh, but also legal models in empowering people and making them part of something. And not only have there's the owner, there's the employees, you work for us, but we work, you work with us. And that's also another, as you say, huge game changer. And also saying, well, there, where are the boundaries of our, our organization? It basically doesn't really have boundaries. The boundaries is maybe the purpose or, the intention that connects us, but maybe not only the structures and are you in or out. So you can be, you can be a part taker maybe rather than being 
having to be a full employee with the core team. So there's so many new ways of thinking. And, and as you say, I was also brought up in, in another mindset. But this is something I'm really interested in researching it. How can we think organizations in a new way uh, in order to achieve the goals more quickly, more effective with less you know, funding in the beginning, more organically, more naturally, and um, not do everything that's not in line with nature. So, so far, our thinking is not in line with how nature works. And what I see from you is that your thinking is very much in line how nature works because you both are very much connected to nature. And this translates into your business model. So it becomes a whole new organic networked and decentral approach um, that's very, I think, regenerative, inclusive, and also um, very integrative and not in an going out this, this either or paradigm. So for me, this is really you present the, the future of business and I think your success will prove it. And once you are successful also financially, many people will be even more interested. And, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. So I wish you all the best. And I think you're already having a great impact. So no matter what happens. Um, but as I see, these are the growing like models of the future. It's here already. And this is what gives me hope and that, which encourages me in, in continuing also with my work to bring maybe those people together and also maybe help old school organizations to get this new mindset, talk to people like you. Um, and have a new mindset translate into a different impact. So thank you very much. And one last question I have for you, uh, because this is what we ask everyone on the Conscious Consulting Podcast. And what is the secret to a good life? Ooh, a secret <laughs> to good life. Um, <laughs> lots of salt water and very little stress. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Super, Emanuela, for you. <laughs> I say lots of sleep, lots of good food, lots of sex. Plenty of pussies. Plenty of pussies <laughs> and just good people. Okay, so that's the best of both worlds. Um, Oscar, and nature, Australia, and nature. That's a good, manifested that's a... in your, manif and, and this whole is manifesting in your, in your daughter. I think all these good things. <laughs> <laughs> she's the perfect like, combination <laughs> so okay so thank you very much and I'm now ending our recording Thanks, I'll see you soon thank you bye bye you're welcome thank you Ciao. Julia it was an honor it was a pleasure to speak with you thanks Julia thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Conscious Consulting Podcast if you want to dive deeper into the field of conscious consulting, become a part of our community, visit ccg-group.eu and subscribe to our newsletter so we can stay connected. You will find the link in the show notes. We look forward to having you on board.